All right, we are back with another episode of In My Humble Opinion. We did not uh, release yesterday because uh, just the climate of everything that's going on. And uh, we didn't feel like it was a great time to just talk about just entertainment or anything like that. But we did still want uh, to bring Houstonians some type of information. And so we're going to have two guests that are being released this week. Uh, one is uh, attorney Adrian McKnight. And then we're going to be speaking with uh, another protester later on whose name's going to get released uh, this later on in this afternoon when we release the episode. Uh, Adria McKnight is a criminal defense attorney. And she is, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am stepping all over. See, the seriousness got me stepping all over. I'm stepping all over Avery's intro. Go ahead. Yeah, all right. So we have a special guest today. Of a criminal defense attorney with us, a Thurgood Marshall alumni, also a Delta Sigma Theta Soror. Um, one of the persons that I've actually, I've never met, but I've seen. There was a billboard that was right outside my house for a while. Yeah. That I right. always see. And I was, my brother was like, oh, that's my partner. And I was like, that's right. How about that. But <laughs> now that we have her um, on the show with us, ladies and gentlemen, Adria McKnight. Yay. All right. All right. Now, uh, we're just going to go ahead and get into it. Uh, your one of the first things I saw, your name was one of the names that was floating on the list of attorneys that were offering legal service to people that are protesting. Uh, how did that list even come about and why was it important that you be on it? So the way the list <clears throat> the way the list came about um, was actually another TMSL graduate saw that everyone was offering up their free legal services to protesters and decided that she was going to compile the data and try to disseminate it to the public so that we could all share it and continue to update it. And the list just really blew up because lawyers from Atlanta was contacting me. Lawyers from Chicago was contacting me, like put me on the list. So that was the way the list started. The way I got involved is I saw another lawyer say, you know what, I'm giving up uh, my time and services for protesters. And I'm like, you know what, I'm in too. So that was just really, everyone just jumped on board. I, I made a face, not a face, I made an Instagram post challenging other criminal defense attorneys to jump on board and offer their legal assistance to these protesters because I anticipated that they would be young. Many of them probably wouldn't have jobs and the ability to afford our services otherwise. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, yesterday there was a protest, uh, rally. This is for George Flo. This is actually in, in memory of him. This was put on by, uh, trade the truth city hall, Sylvester Turner, uh, you got a group of people together. I was, I was with your group and we went down, uh, we went down there, describe the events of what occurred yesterday. So I went down, well, you were with us. Um, we all went down <laughs> as what began as legal observers. We had shirts, highlighter shirts that were clearly visible and said legal observers so that you knew exactly who we were and why we were there. Now, as the day progressed, I feel like my role as an attorney became far more important 
than simply just standing around and watching things. Um, and in addition to that, I felt like we also had a even heightened responsibility as black lawyers to be mentors. And I felt like I was a big sister at times. So what I observed was initially a peaceful protest. Um, I didn't see really any police. I actually was very impressed that everyone had their signs, their chants, there was no disruption. I was impressed at how it was going and I thought that they had set the tone for what the protest would be like. But as the day shifted, it was very clear that the law enforcement officers out there wanted the protest to be over. And once that energy became clear, that's when things changed. At what point of the day, like roughly about what time do you feel it shifted? So we were there about an hour before the protests began. And I would say around seven, when I believe like the sun was slowly going down, I would say that is when things begin to change. And I guess from, uh, so before that, you're saying it's a uh, peaceful protest. When you're saying it's a peaceful protest, before you're saying the shift happens, what is it that you're seeing? So before the shift, before the shift or after the shift? Before, let's go, let's talk about what happened before the shift and then what kind of starts to change as we go into the shift. So before the shift, I mean, there was a little bit of everyone out there. I saw people with their grandparents. I saw grandparents in wheelchairs. I saw babies. I saw toddlers. I saw all races. Really? I mean, everyone was out there in the beginning. And then it just shifted after the protest ended. Um, people kind of went back to Discovery Green, which was the initial meeting location. And that's when I feel like the energy shifted. I observed probably 70, 50 to 70 officers slowly like approaching in a straight line. Then I saw them hide um, behind an area of George R. Brown where they couldn't be seen. Then I saw them go underground where they couldn't be seen. I mean, it, it really changed. And that's why I stayed. Okay. Okay. So what are, after the shift, we're talking about this is as things are starting to get dark, uh, seven o'clock, uh, you have protesters that are out there. What's the climate? What are officers saying to protesters? What exactly is occurring at that point? So the initial group of officers that I saw against the George R. Brown, I saw that there was like some chaos a little bit over there so we went over there as legal observers to see kind of like if someone about to get arrested what's going on now when i went over there there was a moment when it looked like the protesters just wanted the officers to kneel with them in solidarity and they did and i was okay. shocked that they okay. did because that was the very first and last time that i saw that happen for the rest of the day oh wow so never, no sorry. go ahead i'm sorry man there was just one particular officer, and I wish I had gotten his badge number because it looked like he was really trying to understand one of the young protesters who was very clearly uh, frustrated. He was yelling at the police officers, just like trying to hear or trying to get them to hear his side of the story about why he was so frustrated as a young black man that uh, with police officers. And I saw the officer, you know, pat him on the shoulder at one point. I think he even hugged the guy. Um, and when the man, young man turned around, he was in tears. Mm. He was so moved by that gesture 
that it was a really touching moment. He was like, you know, that's all I wanted was for you to kneel. We can move on. Okay. But things are going to, and I, and I have to admit, like I said, uh, I left probably about five o'clock. So when I was up there, I mean, really the only thing I heard about was there was a naked guy that was walking around and police quickly contained the naked guy. And that was kind of about it. Like, you know, that was it. And then I start getting texts from people that are out there that are like, Hey, they're pushing us into areas. Hey, they're starting to tear gas. Hey. And so it's a definitely a different feeling from the, the earlier protests during the day uh, to the nighttime. What are, are the officers giving any reasons as to why they're moving protesters? Are they informing protesters of what's happening? Because it, what's the communication? So that was kind of my issue. Um, I felt like at some point I just had a responsibility to go up to the officers and ask them what exactly were they trying to accomplish. There were some officer groups that were like, hey, we just want you to not be in the street. There were some that just were forming lines and slowly closing in on the protesters. So it was very clear at that point that some officers had one agenda, others had different agendas. Then the horses came. And when the horses came and started approaching the protesters, it was very clear that they were trying to remove the protesters from one area to another. Um, I think that there was just not enough communication. I know I asked several officers, depending on where I was, hey, what's going on? Some just didn't even respond. Okay. Literally just looked at me and said nothing. Then finally, there was another officer who said, we just don't want people protesting in the street. And I'm like, well, the street is blocked off. He said, no, we don't want people protesting in the street. And so at that point, the buses arrived the police buses to basically pick up arrestees. And so I started telling the protesters, hey, just get on the sidewalk. You can exercise your right to free speech. I wanna hear it. They need to hear it, but I don't wanna get you arrested or see you get arrested in the process. Okay, okay. Now, are you seeing anything, well, we're talking about the police. Are you seeing also any acts of vandalism or anything like that happening on the protesting side? Absolutely. There were, there was some vandalism. I mean, was it excessive? No, I did see um, people trying to spray paint different Mm. things, um, like different fixtures on the sidewalks. But other than that, there wasn't really, I didn't see a lot of vandalism. And my thing is, are officers even focused on these individual acts or are they just like we're just focused on everybody right now at that point there wasn't as many officers out really okay so at that point i don't recall whether there was like officers trying to detain them i do know that everything happened so fast even if they were trying to detain them they probably couldn't outrun those young protesters yeah yeah. <laughs> They're fast because I, I was running with them. <laughs> and you were uh, there, how late were you out there last night? I was actually out there probably until about eight, and then I went back around 
12.31, I went okay. back because they had migrated to toward Midtown, the protest. Yeah. So I had, I was receiving a bunch of calls about a lot of young women being arrested and held on buses and trapped against fences. And I just felt like I had to be back out there. So I went back out there. And how late were you out there after that? We, I got home around 2.30. Okay, okay. And so, so even when, why were those women being held on those buses? Yeah. So I still don't have the full details, but the story is similar, that they were either trying to get to their vehicles, they were trying to leave, and the officers cornered them against a fence. And at that point, they were arrested. Now, for what? It's still unclear because we're having difficulties tracking down a lot of the protesters because they're being held at a different location um, than normally they would be held. And so it is delaying the booking time. So right now booking is taking like around 12 hours. Really? You know where yes. this location is? The location is, I believe it's the gymnasium. Um, I don't know the exact address, but I can certainly get it to you. It's it's not normally where people are booked. So apparently because of the size and amount of arrests, they've moved them to this. So it's, it's really a delay in the booking procedure. And in return, now people are not getting bonds as no. soon as they normally would. Yeah. Oh, wait, go ahead, Avery. So they're basically just waiting in queue to get booked? They're just waiting. Oh. And we, they don't have a number assigned to them. They can't contact the bondsmen. Um, their parents don't know where they are. We can't wow. find them other than we know where they are now, where they're being taken, but we can't coordinate with so judges. I mean, we have nothing. No phone call, nothing. Nothing. Okay. And, and what I'm hearing is that they're also being held in um, the plastic cuffs without food really so yes so this is something that was released yesterday uh, about the conditions that they're being held now when you when you saw these people just asking for my own personal knowledge what what race was primarily most of these people when i arrived every call that i've received has been black female my god every call now, when I arrived, I actually got some witness statements from a Hispanic man, two Hispanic men who ran up to me to tell me that they arrested all the black women and let two white men go. Okay. So I, I couldn't, I didn't arrive until the arrest had been made. Um, so I couldn't see everyone on the bus, but every call that I have received has been a black woman. Every lawyer who I've spoken with, who also received calls about this incident, has been Black women. And just so we're clear, just so uh, viewers know, because it's a question that I've, I've seen posed online, does Houston, to your knowledge, have a curfew? Houston doesn't have a curfew right now. Mm -hmm. so, there was no curfew put in place for this protest. So that's the other thing, where it's uh, you're going to have people saying, OK, well, why are people even out there? So what will your response be to somebody saying like, I know they don't, I know we don't have a curfew, but why are just people out there anyway? Because it's their constitutional right to be out there because they've never had a platform ever to speak. Some of these kids have been frustrated for years 
and have never been given an opportunity to protest. So I spoke with the protesters and they said, just us being here is, is our message. And so if we're, if we're out until 3 a.m., then oh well. We're not hurting anybody. We're not tearing up anything. So if we want to stand on this corner to 3 a.m. so that they see us, then that's our message. And then back to uh, what you were saying a little bit earlier, just to give people perspective that haven't dealt with the system. Normally, how long is the booking process? If you get arrested, what is that process and how long does it take? So the booking process normally, um, it really just depends, right, on how many people are being booked at the same time. Obviously, if there's larger groups of people, then the booking process takes longer. So, you know, generally, I would say you're booked within probably five to six hours. You can be booked and the bonds can be posted. But here, you know, I got calls around midnight and I still haven't seen them pop up. Okay. So speaking from experience, you're you're right. It takes about five or six hours. <laughs> yeah. Good job. Way to come from the other side of the argument. Okay. Yeah, I'm I, see. Just, I see. Just reconfirming, you know. Thinking about five, all six sides, hours. brother. Hitting all sides, man. All right, all right. <laughs> so five to six hours. So uh we kinda we're we're getting a feeling, like I said, uh later on today we're going to speak with some protesters uh to get their side as well uh what are some of the things that you would like to see the police force or uh we're talking about on the city side in the legal aspect what are some things you would like to see to make this problem i i don't want to say i don't know how we say make the problem go away or or make this fair so that people still have their ability to exercise their constitutional rights uh, and they're not just getting arrested out here. Well, I would like to see this be more about change than photo ops. I mean, the police chief is out here kneeling and crying and talking about his mother and how he relates, yet every day I'm watching body cameras of the people who work for him who don't share the same sentiments or act in the same way or have the same compassion so if you're going to lead from the top, then you need to make sure the people who are following you are sharing the same message that you're conveying to the nation. In addition to that, I feel like there needs to be more outlets for these young protesters to share their opinions, to voice how they feel and their frustrations. One of the protesters yesterday, I asked him around 2 a.m., what was he still doing and what was his message? I said, if you're just standing here, what's your message? We need to hear it. And he said, my message is that I feel like every police officer should be assigned to a particular community and there should be some representative from that community that they answer to who can be the liaison. And I'm like, that's a good answer. That's an amazing. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't even think I'm like, that's your message. Have you told anyone that all day? And he said, no. How will I tell someone? And I mean, this is just like, he's young, maybe a teenager standing mm -hmm. out there. And I'm like, you know, I think that message is awesome. Here's my business card. I want to connect you to someone who will help you share that message. So a lot of these protesters have messages to share. They just don't know how to share. And a lot of their messages are good. I mean, they're innovative. They are creative. They, they are vigilant. 
vigilantes, excuse me. And so I think that's the change that I need to see. I know at one point in the protest, I asked one of the officers, I said, you know what would be amazing is if some of the officers were in the crowd mixing and mingling. Have you ever even asked any of the protesters why they're here? Wait, you know? Just a question. So they weren't mixing and mingling? Because I've seen some photos where there'd be some officers with people. No. So that was uh, maybe Maybe that was beginning, in the beginning of the protest. I was about to say, yeah. Early, early okay. on, like when I was there early, I saw two officers at one point that were walking with the group ahead of oh, us. Yeah. I'm not saying they're mixing and mingling. It was two of them walking together and they were in the crowd. And that was it. All you saw but in the bottom was that's two. All, that's all I saw. What Both about you, Adrian? How many did you see? So in the crowd, I did see they were in pair of two walking, like just walking. I mean, they weren't chanting or anything, but they were walking to City Hall on the path. Yeah. But at night, no, there was no mixing and mingling, which is why they were just lines of officers, which is why I asked, why don't you ask some of these people why they're here? And he really just looked confused. Like, why would I do that? You know, I mean, a lot of them also say, well, I'm just following instruction. That's their answer for everything. I'm just following instruction. And did they ever tell you, did they ever tell you like what their instructions were or? No. Okay. Okay. It was, I mean, it's a secret, it's a secret game plan that obviously nobody <laughs> there yeah. knew, but the instructions yeah. were obviously don't mix and mingle with people. That was very clear. Now, uh, for the group that you work with and for yourself, uh, when we're talking about, because protesting is still continuing, people are still going out there. Uh, what are some of the things you recommend to protesters uh, before they, well, I, I have two questions. One, what is it that you recommend for protesters as they're going out there, whether it's going to be during the day or at night? I definitely recommend going with friends at least one. You have to have someone, probably three. Um, you have to have someone to be accountable with you and for you. Um, I think it would be helpful if you have an iPhone to share your location so that your family knows exactly where you are at all times and they can track you. I think it's helpful to make sure that you have a cell phone that is charged or have a battery. I also am very impressed that a lot of people are so vigilant. They are recording things that they feel don't feel right. They're taking photos of things because those are all ways to help someone in the event that they may be arrested. Um, in addition to that, I feel like one of the protesters was so eager to be a witness and that's been a trend. A lot of these protesters are like, I saw this, but I don't know who to report it to. You know, could you help this person that I saw get tackled as he was walking out of the hotel doing nothing? Mm. And I'm like, call me. Maybe I'll share the video with some other lawyers who may one day represent this man. Get so just being by, by the police. Okay. Because he was mistaken for someone who had bust out a window and the protester said he was just coming out of the hotel downtown and was mm. arrested and tackled. Yeah. So like just being vigilant like that. Now, the thing is, if you see something that doesn't feel right, take pictures take videos, you know, put it online because eventually someone may know that person who is being arrested because if you send it to the police office, what are they going to do? Probably nothing. Yeah. You know, so these are ways that we can be accountable for each other 
and protect each other while we're out there protesting. And then um, how do people get in contact? I mean, if they do get into legal trouble, how do they get in contact with you? How do they get in contact with your group? Uh, yeah, how do they do that? So you can follow me on Instagram, Attorney McKnight, M-C-K-N-I-G-H-T. You can reach me on my website, that's mylawyer.com, T-H-A-T-S-M-Y, lawyer.com. You can call my office, 832-589-0508, or just Google pro bono attorneys representing protesters in Houston, Texas, because there are hundreds who are involved with this movement right now, who want to help, who want to make sure that you know young protesters are able to exercise their right to free speech and right to peacefully assembly symbol um there's people out here we're here we're ready and i will say because one of the things that struck me when we got out there was one how many people were just handing out stuff for free uh plenty of volunteers came out giving out bags of water and snacks and things like that to keep people energized but inside the bags were pamphlets and paper and there was a list of attorney a long list like if yeah. you get in trouble and it had email addresses and phone numbers and just you could go down that list and just uh, uh, so there are options out there right i even got a baggie with my name in the list i'm like i'm sorry who who are you <laughs> so i mean the the list there's a list that is circulating with a lot of amazing attorneys on that list who are more than capable and competent to properly handle these cases. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, uh, you got anything you want to tell the audience before we get out of here? Continue protesting. Just be smart about it. I, I love seeing all these young people out there. I mean, I really did. I love hearing your messages. And I also think just have a clear message when you go out there because you never know who you're going to bump into, what media may approach you. You want to be ready so that you have a message for other people to hear. Be clear in that. You know, just don't go out there standing. Make sure you're there with a purpose. Excellent. Excellent. All right, then. Well, look, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah. This is like, you know, interesting time. So it's good to see that we've got uh, Houstonians out here trying to help out other Houstonians. And uh, we definitely support all the work that you're out here doing. Yes. I appreciate it. I don't know if I'm a Houstonian quite yet, but. Well, I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, you've got a billboard. You, you yeah, became well, a Houstonian the moment you got it. I still <laughs> say pop. I still say pop. I mean, that's, yeah, that's that northern. Okay, story. okay, yeah, that that's a problem, but you know, it, it's, it's corrected. It's corrected. We accept a lot of people. Ain't nobody really, ain't nobody <laughs> really here anyway. Everybody, but, everybody, know, everybody man, whatever. Anyway, uh, yeah. In my humble opinion, podcast, man. Thank you for coming. It's been great. It's been good. <laughs> Next person. <laughs> Thank you for having me. <laughs>